Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's Audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. another edition of swoops world late night it's uh geez january 4th 2017 first show of the new year uh big night tonight we're gonna have bob case uh on talking and he went to the rose bowl so he's gonna have a lot to say about that and of course we have anthony davis <coughs> following him up you know the usc great and um, we're gonna talk to him about the rose bowl a little bit too but amongst a whole lot of other things so I hope everybody's had a, a wonderful holiday season and a, a very, very happy new year to each and every one of you. And we look forward to uh, to tonight's show. We're going to get started real quick here uh, because uh, Bob's going to be calling in pretty soon. So we're going to take our first break and come back and get things started. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. And this is, uh, be right back after this. Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. Sleep all day. I'm on Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. At 7, I shower. Every day I wake up at 5. For those caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. 
So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. For a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. We gotta talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics, or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted, and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Now that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hi, this is Kelly Z. And Casey Regan. We're from Music You Can See and AmeriBlues.com and Kelly's Live. We are swooping it at Swoops World. And welcome back to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. And, uh... Just waiting uh, for a minute or so here before we get Bob Case on the line. But uh, I'm telling you, there were some great bowl games this week. Uh, looking forward to some more this coming weekend. Uh, and I think it's an exciting time in college football. And it's uh, always this time of the season that really really gets a lot of things going. And people start wondering about if the bowl system is uh, or the, the, the championship drive system is the way it should be. And people make it in and shouldn't have made it in and, and all those kind of good things. But uh, we're going to have plenty uh, plenty of excitement going into that. And the NFL playoffs are among us, amongst us, and the NBA game, games are going. So if you're a sports uh, fan, this is a, it's a great time of year for you. And then I, I guess, you know, even in the entertainment world, uh, coming up next week, I believe, are the, the Golden Globes and uh, all the, all the uh, movie awards should be coming up pretty soon and uh, getting out there and seeing some of these movies that have been nominated for things and and seeing if they're worthwhile, and, and we'll make sure if the the awards that they win are, are, are well earned. <laughs> I did go see uh, recently. Um, gosh, what's it called? The one uh, I'll have to look it up. Passengers. I saw Passengers uh, about a week or two ago, and thought it was pretty well done. And uh, you know, if you have a chance to go check that out, I think you might like it, especially if you like that space kind of stuff. And it's a it's a pretty interesting movie. I mean, it really. Basically, it only has three or four actors in, in 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 most of the movie. The majority of the movie, um, you know, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. But uh, well done, well done. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So we're going to take a quick break, and uh, I'm going to get Bob a call. I'm sure he'll be ready to come on, and we'll do that right after this. She said, honey, you can have it your way. First she looked down at my feet. She said, it must be quite large with a name like me. Oh, hung like a horse. You know we're hung like a horse. She said, my goodness, I don't know where to start. I said, Start at the tip and work your way to my heart Maybe let the left one and kiss the right And I'll be yours all night Hung, oh, hung like a horse <laughs>
Bob, we, 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 we miss you here. There we go. Let's try it again. I'd like to welcome, welcome back to the, the show, show our, our good, good friend, friend and, and colleague, colleague Bob, Bob Case. Case. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, Keith. Out here in the rain, how you doing? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Doing well. Uh, for, for some, some reason, reason, I'm getting an echo. I'm going to figure out why that is. But uh, real quick, we, uh, you and I chatted uh, today and uh, wanted to talk to you. Hang on just a second. got to fix this because this is... Rather annoying. You want me to call back? Um, no, I don't think you're going to have to. Let me just take this. Let's see if I can click click out of that. See if that helps. All right, I think we got it. Excellent. So, Bob, uh, welcome back to the show. Keith, I'm always honored to be on your show. And it's it's always fun uh, to get a chance to catch up with you and, and chat. Happy New Year to you and the staff too. Happy New Year to you too, brother. It's uh, it's always good. Um, how was your how was your your holidays, man? Oh, Keith, everything was great. You know, I you know, of course, SC one and I, Christmas. I had my uh, grandchildren over, and I don't you know I don't get to spend that much time with them, but I had a wonderful time with them and seeing you know, they're both. I have nine year old twins, a boy and a girl, and they. My, my little grandson, Luke Riggs, I've told you about him before. He's a real good baseball player, and he loves baseball. He loves coming over and talking baseball with me. And, and Elle is a gorgeous little girl who's a ballerina. So it was just great to see them for Christmas and uh, spend some time with them. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to watch him play. He, you know, it's so funny, Keith. Today, he's, bought, he's nine years old, and, and he's going to play before he's ten in his sixth year of organized baseball. Can you imagine that? Wow, wow. So he's, I mean, been, he's been around I for a bit. I was on a team until I was 11. When did you start playing baseball? Uh, about eight or nine years old, I believe. That's yeah. when I started, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's well, they start much earlier now. You know, it's unbelievable. He played T-ball and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, he played T-ball. Last year, he, he played where they actually have live pitching to him the first year. You know, he did he did very well, so I was very proud of him. Awesome. But it's a great experience. I mean, God, these kids have got more games under their belt than I had all through high school. <laughs> talked about this on the show in the past whether or not um you know it was a dying sport here in the u.s you know a lot of people were talking about <coughs> excuse me the number of um, number of players coming from overseas in the, in the in the major leagues but it's still a it's still a huge sport here in the u.s it's uh, a lot of teams i see a lot of teams a lot of guys still playing and i think we're gonna have a lot of a lot of american ball players still coming up well you know there's been you know keith i'll tell you that the major league baseball depends on they've got they used to be completely professional baseball but they depend a lot more on the colleges now you know so like a usc or a stanford can be the same as double a or single a you know what i mean right so they they, they save themselves a lot of money by letting the kid go four years to college to see how he he you know matures and comes into his own because some kids in high school they when they get out of college are totally different so it saves them a lot of money and uh in the old days they'd sign a guy around out of high school and Give him a big bonus and spend a lot of money in the minor leagues. And yeah, I remember. Uh, well, and a lot of them, a lot of them did. I, I do remember that uh, Strawberry signed right out of high school. 
Um, it, you know, it was it was not it was not uncommon yeah. not uncommon in those days. But a lot of guys. I were, saw him. I saw him at uh, uh, Crenshaw High School, and they the scout that signed was named Harry Miner for the Mets. And he said, "Bob, I want you to come down and take a look at this prospect." He said he was the. Uh, he was a block Ted Williams. I mean, the kid could do everything. He could. He had the most beautiful swing. Yeah. You know, uh, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, he had, he had the most beautiful swing he could hit. He could, you know, and, and, and he still had a, you know, even though he had a little problem with drugs and everything, he still had a great major league career. I mean, he had some great years with the Mets and the Dodgers. And, you know, and Daryl's a wonderful kid, just a nice, nice kid. He's you know, he's beaten prostate cancer and done a lot of things, but you couldn't ask for a nicer kid. Yeah. So I'm, ha I'm happy to see him happy in his life today, you know, because some kids don't, you know, come out of that whirlwind and come out okay, you know, but it's, it's great to see. The other thing they're doing in baseball now, they're, they've got a Daryl Miller, who is uh, Reggie Miller's brother and Cheryl Miller's br uh, brother. Didn't he play for the Angels? Yeah, he was a catch. Very good, Keith. Very good. He was he was he was a catcher for the Los Angeles Angels and uh, or the California Angels, and he opened up an academy in Compton. It's it's for uh, you know for minor league, uh, uh, you know for for getting ne the blacks back into baseball because the American Negro uh, is really you know in the old days you had Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Jackie Robinson, you know Larry Doby, blah 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 blah, you know Maury Wills, on and on and on. To, they've kind of been watered down, and it's because most of the young blacks are playing football and basketball now because they don't have the facilities to play baseball. So they have uh, Reggie uh, Miller, who's his brother Daryl, started up this academy with Rod Crew and a couple other people, and they're really, really got. They've signed a lot of young black ball players from South Central LA, and and they've actually got a lot of them going in the big. There's a lot more in the big leagues than there was like eight or ten years ago. Wow, there was wow. A, sh a shortage of them. It's kind of interesting. It's it's fun to see how they do that because. Their baseball's losing, and they're not. And, and they said the commissioner has. See, basketball's done a great job marketing to get young people to play the sport, and the same with football. But Major League Baseball hasn't. You know, they've kind of. You know, like you said, they're getting guys from Cuba, from Venezuela, from the Dominican Republic, from you know all these different places, Puerto Rico, and uh, we're we're missing out a lot of uh, American players. You know, so. Yeah, a lot of lot of talent out out there still in. Uh available and you know with the with the with the rise in uh, a lot of you know, soccer I, I, you know there's a lot of people playing a lot of soccer now and and uh, you know we, like you said marketing of, of football and basketball uh, it's, it's kind of taken over but I think it you know it's still a, it's still a pure sport and you still it's great to see guys come up and, and still playing the game oh yeah baseball still you know as you saw in the World Series this year still the American pastime and the great thing about baseball you don't have to be six foot eight and you don't have to, you know, be 300 pounds to play baseball. You can play baseball at, you know, five foot four or six foot eight. You know, what I mean, Frank Harvey was six eight, and uh, you know, uh, Albie Pearson was five four. So you know, you, you have a whole range of, uh, of you know, size. A, a normal guy can be a major league player and have a long career. You know, so yeah, it's uh, you know, one of the knocks, one of the knocks on baseball has been that the the pace of the game. Uh, I think you know, as a as a fan, you know, you you go there expecting to spend a certain amount of time at the, at the ballpark and and take all that kind of stuff in, and and uh, you know, I don't think the pace for for true fans, the pace of the game is really not a big deal. I think a lot of people who've come to the sport, uh, you know, in this day and age when everything is is super quick and you know microwave ovens and whatnot, uh, people are used to things happening real quick. 
unless you're uh, unless you're a true fan, I guess I guess the pace of the game can get to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you uh, you know, I mean, some people you know people can say this. I've been to football games that have dragged on and on and on. You know, so it's like the good thing about football, though. I mean, if you if you realize a football game in the last three hours, see how much time you're watching action out of the three hours. If yeah, it's only sixty minutes of play. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, you know, so it's like. Yeah, the same thing. Uh, the basketball, there's a lot of action. It's fast, and you know what you, you know what time the game is going to be over. You can go to a baseball game and go 20 innings. You know, but I think that's you know I don't think they should change it. I I, I think people should just leave things alone. You know what I mean? Because it's been it's you know America's pastime, and it's been you know it's a great sport, and you have to play it to like it. And you know, uh, people. I, I mean, they still look at the tennis of the Dodgers and almost four million people last year. You know. Yeah. yeah. Plus all the cable networks and TVs and everything, you know. So, but uh, you know, it's. I think baseball's still strong. I, I think they've had weak leadership of the commissioner, you know, ignoring steroids all those years, which is another topic, you know. But um, he knew what was going on. If I, if Bob Casey, of course, steroids, they knew what was going on. But they needed people to get to hit the ball out of the park because uh, things weren't Absolutely things weren't exciting correct. anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's shocked when they told him that. You know, like he was shocked. Are you kidding me? You don't think Joe Torre knew that? You, you don't think Tony Larusa knew McGuire was on steroids? Come on! You know, and they, and they, put, they put him in the Hall of Fame. They put Torre in the Hall of Fame, and they put Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame. And Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and and Sammy Sosa and Rafael Palmero, those guys are sitting and they'll probably never make the Hall of Fame. That's not right. I don't think. Not only is it not Bonds right, in the they... Hall of Fame. And everybody on the inside knew he was on steroids. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's all phony, man. It's the whole thing. You know. They were the best of their era, and steroids weren't illegal when they were taking them. You know, they weren't illegal. They that, were not, you know, illegal. That's one of the one of the one of the the, the, the conversations we've had here over the years. And uh, not only were they the best in their era, uh, they brought baseball back to life. It came back off Absolutely. of those strike years. Nobody was going to show up at the games, and you got this. You got the the the, it's yep. a, the home run race to, to break the sixty one, and all that kind of stuff. And people got excited about baseball again, and everybody, and anybody knew that the steroids was uh, was evasive in the in the in the league. And, I mean, Keith, the game has changed so much today because of that. I'll give you an example. When I worked for the Angels in the '60s. Uh, there, we had a coach named Salty Parker, and my my job was after every practice to count the baseballs. Imagine that, counting the baseballs in bags. And if the players, let's say they wanted their girlfriend to get an autographed ball, they'd come up to me and say, hey, Bobby, can you sneak me out of baseball? So I'd say, these are major league players. I'd sneak them out of baseball, you know. Now, I mean, I, I used to go get them in the stands at Dodger Stadium. You know, when there's nobody there, I'd have to go up in the stands and get the balls and bring them back down. But now they throw them in the stands. They would find a player if he threw a ball in the stands. You yeah. follow me? Yeah. They would find them. So now they just give them away, throw them in the police. And it's good for baseball that they do that. But it's just a completely different game. How they, you know, they how they watched money in the old days, and how today, guy, you know, the the bat boy today is making more than Mickey Mantle was in the old days. You know yeah, what I mean? So it's well. like uh, a totally different deal. Let's, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, your, your your weekend, your 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 New Year's weekend. You you were down at the the Rose Bowl here in Pasadena, and you, and you got to see one exciting game. You know, Keith, I got to tell you something. I've been going to the Rose Bowl since. Uh, 1955, when SC played as a little kid, I went and saw SC play uh, Ohio State, and it was the last time it rained the whole game. Ohio State beat them with Hopalong Cassidy, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, and John Arnett was playing for SC. 
But I'm going to tell you something. That is the most exciting Rose Bowl game I've ever been to or ever seen. And everybody I've talked to said the same thing. It was it, the most points scored. 77 was the most points ever scored in a Rose Bowl game. And that game they scored 102, I believe it was. 101, I believe. Or 101. Okay, yeah. yeah, 101. yeah. It was 49-49. They kicked the three-point field goal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, the the... You know, it's just, it was a great game. The refereeing, I know for a fact, the SC coaches were furious at the refereeing. Now, they're not going to bitch because they won, but that was the worst refereeing I've ever seen. Incompetent, incompetent, not calling, if they called the holding penalties, they should have, Penn State would have scored 20 points instead of 49. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, uh, there was so much, that, that uh, targeting thing was a bogus call, that roughing the passer was a bogus call on one of these SC guys that, fell into the passer, you know. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable, you know. These are 15. They, they kicked Cameron Smith, their best defensive player, off the, out of the game. Yeah, yeah. The quarter. You know, and then you got to think, in the last quarter, SC beat them 17 to nothing. And 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 Penn State was the number one team in the in the United States of scoring in the fourth quarter and having the best fourth quarters. And SC held them 17 nothing in the last quarter. And SC was without Adoree Jackson, without Justin Davis, without Cameron Smith, without Iman Marshall, and there's a couple other guys that got hurt. So you know their star players were out of the game, and they still held them. You know it was it was fantastic. I, I was just so proud of them. And it's like you know you, you have I, it's like up and down, up and down. You know you think oh they're going to lose, oh, oh. you know it's amazing, just amazing. There was a, there was absolutely no quit. Uh, in the team, no, and no. they played. They played to the very last. They played the entire game. They, you know, that's what this Sam Darnold brings to the table. He's he never shows any sign of emotions at all. He's like a poker face, you know, through the whole sixty minutes. Never, you can never tell whether he's winning, losing. If he's throwing five touchdowns or five interceptions, he looks exactly the same, and he plays like nobody. Matt Leinert said he'll be the best quarterback that ever played at SC. That's the words of Matt Leinert, the Heisman Trophy winner, who was a quarterback. You know, yeah. everybody I've talked to, he's the best I've ever seen, nobody close. I've is never it, seen a quarterback that can do what he can do, and he's only a freshman. I mean, it's just Is he a old. true freshman or a red shirt no, freshman? Last year, when Cody Kessler, who's now with the Cleveland Browns, was on the team, and Max Brown, everybody knew he was the best quarterback on the field. You know, it's just that Helton had to play Max Brown because he'd been there three years, you know, and, and he gave him a shot, and it obviously didn't work. They were one and three when they brought in uh, uh, Darnold. Darnold or, yeah. Now they're ten and three, so, you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the, like you said, the demeanor he has on the field, um, even watching him when there was um, – the last drive, they had to score. They had to score. I mean, he oh, he didn't look like he was phased at all. He's just out there calling oh. plays and running plays and making making plays. It was just amazing. You know why that Dante Burnett is his number one receiver? Do you know why? Because last year he was on the scout team with him. So he got used to throwing to him on the scout team, and now he, number 80, Deontay Burnett, scored three touchdowns. He scored he's three amazing. touchdowns, and he's, he, yeah, he, and he's he finds a way to get open. Yeah, oh, he's terrific. He's yeah. he's he's going to be. I mean, they've got some really good receivers because they're going to probably lose Juju Smith and uh, and uh, Darius Rogers number one. But they've got, you know, this kid from Oaks Christian, Michael Pittman Jr. He's uh, his dad was an NFL player. He's going to be terrific next year. He, he played special teams this year, but he'll be in the mix as a receiver. He's six four, can run. I mean, Clay Helton has told me himself he thought he was a great player. You know, yeah. 
So, and this, and the other thing I was going to tell you, the Darnold kid couldn't be a nicer kid. He's humble, polite, nice, you know, just, I mean, I've been around him a bunch of times in locker rooms and everything. He just, and, and the players love him. They love him. You know, yeah. they love the coach. They love, I've never seen a happier team. You know, you know what, what I was told that Iman Marshall didn't, a lot of the players didn't even take off their shoulder pads or their, they walked out of the Rose Bowl in their shoulder pads, pants, and jerseys. <laughs> thoughts on T. Martin. I mean, he's he's called some great games this year, hasn't he? Fifth-year senior, but he did he did his uh, two-year mission with the with the Mormon Church. I think uh, it was a four-year. Was, a, was, four -year was it a four-year mission? Year right. yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, so he, they call they they call, they call him Grandpa and all this kind of stuff. But he's, yeah. I've heard nothing but good stuff about him, and he's just an amazing ball player. And he and he looks to be you know he never seems to be phased out there. He seems level-headed, doesn't seem to get too too high, too low, or upset, and he just plays the game. One thing I noticed about the about the about the Trojans this year, and especially in the Rose Bowl game, I think it was it was very evident during the Rose Bowl game. They they kept their they kept their poise, uh, you know, even with uh, a minute or so left, and they needed to make that drive. Uh, I, I, for for some reason, I, I almost thought he was going to go for two and go for the win. He went for the tie, but uh, it still played out. They won. They won in regulation. But the guys never seem. I never seen to be frustrated. I, I saw one of the guys on the sidelines getting everybody pumped up, but uh, on the field, they seem to they seem to maintain their poise. They really do. You're 100 percent right. It's a very good observation. They're all cool cucumbers. All of them. You know. I mean, 
you know, they're playing in a game that big, you know, with that, with the, you know, everybody all over the place, everybody's watching it, and plus, you know, almost 100,000 people there. It's unbelievable, you know. One of the things... They, they're kids. They're, I always say, people look at these football players and these colleagues, they go, oh, they're men. No, they're still kids. They're kids. <laughs> they look like men. They're built like men, yes. but they're kids. <laughs> So true, so true. I mean, I, I got kids. I got kids that are their age and, and older. Um, yeah. One of the things that uh, was was really really good to see is, uh, and, and I guess they did it most of the year, uh, like you said, how much they respect Helton. And I, I noticed that every time they got an interception, they'd always get or, or a turnover. They would always run over and give the coach the ball. Were they doing that at the Rose Bowl? I was. Yeah, they did it. They did it on the first, the first pick. I first, <clears throat> for sure. Uh, yeah, that that pick in the uh, first play of the game, second play of the game, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that's it's so good to see them. I like I said, they all. They, I mean, they. You can just tell they love the game. They love each other. They. It's like uh, you know, and it's a door. And there's not one. Usually, you'll see it. You know, in the Pete Carroll era, there was kids there that. You know, they like to party and have fun, and you know they're you know, kids, but a lot of them from the hood, and you know a couple of them were getting shot at on the weekends, and you know, you know, just on and on and on. And this, this, it's like the caliber of these kids are all wholesome. Even the ones from the hood are like good kids, good quality kids. So I think really character they really looked at when they recruited these kids. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I think I think character really plays a big part. You know, some of these kids. You know, had nothing but problems. Some of the older kids, I know some kids that should have been great NFL players, but they just kind of burned out because they weren't mature enough to handle all the stuff, you know. So. When it comes to all the bowl games, uh, I, I heard some interesting statistics coming up. And um, one of the ones was that the, the tickets, ticket prices for the Rose Bowl uh, were more, more cost were, were higher than ticket prices for, for games, the, the, the bowl games that were leading to the national championship game. I think this game, uh, besides being the granddaddy of them all, but with SC and Penn State playing, uh, I think there was a whole lot more uh, attention to it. I think uh, any both of these teams could have easily been playing in the championship. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that SC would have beat Ohio State if they had a chance to play Ohio State, and the same with Penn State. Absolutely correct. I mean, it's like, uh, well, listen, you got to think these are two top ten teams, too, you know, number four and number nine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's, a, you know, and they're, they're, you know, very well-known teams. I mean, that's bigger than Penn State and SC. Speaking of Penn State, i got to tell you a funny story. Uh, you know, they're all tailgating outside the place. I mean, it was like Penn, it was like, I never, I've, I've been to Super Bowls in the Rose Bowl. It wasn't bigger than, than this, the way people out were celebrating. You know, confetti and People were drinking and on top of, you know, recreational vehicles, jumping up and down, <laughs> screaming. And, you know, I've never seen anything like it on the golf course. And this one, these Penn State fans, it's hilarious. They had a pinata of Joe Paterno. <laughs> no, no, wait, wait. They, they had a pinata of him, and then they had one of Sandusky with handcuffs on and, a, and with a striped outfit on, you know, the, prison, you know like the Sandusky guy. So can you? I, I mean, people were taking pictures of them. They looked just like Sandusky and just like like uh, Paterno, you know, uh, these pinatas. So it, I thought that was one of the funnier things I saw in the whole, uh, the whole game. <laughs> and I, you don't think that Franklin, the Penn State coach, second guessing today for trying not just you know running the clock out and going into overtime, trying those two those two passes that they. Uh, 
you know, almost the first one was picked, almost picked off by Leon McQuay, and the second one he did pick off. You know? The second one he did pick off, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised at that. Uh, you, you you would have th- thought that they would have just uh, just kept the ball on the ground and, and tried to run out the clock and go into overtime. Well, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he made a lot of major mistakes. You know, I mean, he maybe he felt the pressure, but um, he, you know, they they had the ball with two. I, I started to leave. I was so PO'd. SC was trailing by seven points, and Penn State had the ball first down with two minutes and twelve seconds left. So I started to mosey down. I was in, you know, on the fifty-yard line, and I grow fifty some. I was starting to walk down, and then SC got the ball back again because he tried passes. He should have been running the ball four times. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to, to burn out the clock. But uh, you know, it's, it's easy to be a Sunday morning quarterback, right? Well, you know, it, it is, it is, and, and in one way, in one way, I, I, I kind of go, you know, why, why would you do that? But I, in another way, I, I like guys that compete, you know, and I, I like, it's, right. you know, it's, it, I was, I was, like I said, I was shocked when uh, SC went for this, the, the single extra point instead of going for two, going for the win. That's old school, uh, old school SC, but uh, it was a smart move. Just went for the tie, and, yeah. and uh, you know, they went for two earlier and got two. Yeah, earlier. they did. I guess they didn't want to push, press their luck. <laughs> is a game that will be talked about when I'm long gone and you know it's just a great game it's just uh, it'll be a historic game and I told I was these friends that were with me I said you just saw history being made you know yeah you know that goes down with uh, with another 52 point uh, SC game you know with, with a good friend of ours uh, that, that SC Notre Dame game but the AD scored six TDs you know they were down 28 nothing at the half and they ended up yeah, winning 52 to 28 right. but uh I think that's the only other time I can think of SC scoring 52 points. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, I'm going to tell you something. That crowd, I was at that game, and I, it was 1974. I think it was December 3rd. They never sat down. And I've never been to a game like that before where people were screaming. You, were, you read what I said in that book. Didn't yeah. You? I mean, you know, people were uh, screaming out. Some reporter asked me what I thought of the game. And I put that AD went nuts when he heard what I put in the book. But uh, it's his book, I think, isn't it? His yes, book? yes. Yeah. But uh, the bottom line is, it was I've never saw a crowd like that in my life before, since or after. I've been to Super Bowls, Rose Bowls, World Series, you know, NFL, you know, every kind of game, the NBA. Chat. I've never seen a crowd like that game at '74 game. Yeah. And the, and the, the the atmosphere you talked about the the outside the tailgating atmosphere what was the atmosphere like in the stands this week at the, at the Rose Bowl? Oh, it was unbelievable! I mean, people screaming and yeah, I, the the whole golf course, Brookside Golf Course, the whole golf course was tail. The whole course had people camped out and TV sets and they're playing soccer and they're playing you know football and drinking and having fun. I wonder how some of those people could even see the game. They were there all day drinking, you know, all night. The night before, they parked their campers down there, but they're young. They're having fun, you know, yeah. and uh, it was it was really uh, just a, a real spectacle. It was, it was fun. It's, you know, something I'm really glad I was here to see. Coming off a season like that, uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a real high high. It's not, I mean, it's not coming off a national championship season, but what they did, you know, they were, what, one and three at the beginning of the season, and then they ran the table uh, pretty much, yeah. and, and then they win this they win this game. Uh, what what do you think it looks like next year? I mean, is it is do they, with Helton, you, you, you said he keeps them level-headed. 
but still, that's it's got to be something to come off a season like that and, and start next season uh, without being overconfident or or too get up too too high for the for the beginning of the season. Well, besides being the greatest physical athlete I've ever seen, Darnold has, and I think it'll pass off to the team and Helton. But Darnold has this this easy flow about him. He's not. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He doesn't think he's a star. He doesn't think he's a celebrity. He just likes to. He doesn't show emotion, and that and that's going to carry right into next year. This kid's got. I mean, he is the. You know, the equipment manager down there, Todd Hewitt's a friend of mine. And his, I've known Todd for like forty years. His father, Don Hewitt, was a Ram equipment manager, and Todd was the Rams forty years. And Todd said today, Isaac Bruce, the Hall of Fame receiver, texted him and said, "Congratulations, Todd." He said, I wish I had that guy thrown to me in my career. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, Mike March te- texted him, and he said, congratulations, Todd. And he said to Mike March, what do you think of our quarterback? And he said, words can't describe what I think. So, in other words, you're, I have never heard any quarterback ever, whether it's Rodney Pete, whether it's Vince Evans, whether it's Matt Leiner, Carson Palmer, Matt Barkley, Mark Sanchez, they've, none of them could do what this kid could do, none of them. And they're all great quarterbacks. I'm not. I'm, I'm not taking any. They're all great, but this kid is in a league of his own. They're yeah. all supporting actors to him, in my opinion. You know, so it's like, uh, and I think you know they, they've got great receivers coming back. They're going to have to, you know, shore up on their defensive line. The Rasheem Green is he's experienced now. He's got two years of experience behind him, but they're going to have to get to replace Stevie. And I hear they're they've got a couple JC transfers they're looking at. And they've got. I mean, see, winning a game like this will get Karuts. You know, recruits just begging to come there. You know oh I mean? yeah, oh yeah. So it's like it's, that's why it's so huge for the program, and uh, you know, it's 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 terrific for SC and for the whole. You know, I, I, in fact, I was going to tell you that crowd yesterday. I was there when they won the national championship, and the crowd wasn't as electric as it was yesterday. Really? Think about that. You know, so uh, when they beat uh, Oklahoma fifty-five twenty-four, the crowd wasn't as as big as it. But it was in Florida, so it wasn't here in Pasadena. But because it was almost like a home game, you know. But I mean, I've never seen like that crowd. They were just unbelievable. But I'm sure the TV wouldn't show it all. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to you know. You gotta kind of be there. there, there like. Let me tell you something. There there was a couple times when uh, you know they went to a commercial break with a, a call that was going to be made or something, and they come back and and they're 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 playing it down. It was, you know, they, we didn't. The the TV aspect of it was 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 pretty good, but there's a couple of really blatant faux pas uh, with that situation. You know, you come back you come back expecting to hear what the what the call is and what's going on, and they're they're already on, on to another play. I don't know why they didn't come out of the Ford commercial or whatever it was to to go back live on the field. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they, they sure took off of those commercials, didn't they? <laughs> the first time I was at a game and there was a TV timeout. I'm like, what are we, what are they standing around for? What's going on? And the guy next right. to me said, it's a TV timeout. I said, are you kidding me? He says, yeah. He says, you know, that's what pays the bills. So that's what happens. So, you know, the momentum of the game just comes to a standstill. You just, you know, just, just standing around. Correct. And with some of the, uh, uh, what do they call it? The, you know, the replay booth. Uh, you know, some of that time, some of that takes too long too. It, you know, the flow of the game gets interrupted for t- TV commercials and and some of these uh, replays. Uh, it can really take away the momentum of a team. Of course it 
say. And you, t- you take them. It's just like when Rudy Bo was fighting Evander Holyfield. He was beating the hell out of him, and then a fan man flew into the ring, and they they delayed the fight 40 minutes. Do you remember that? I was at that fight up at Caesars Palace. Wow. Some guy flew out of the sky into the ring. They call him the fan man. Yeah, I they do. played the fight, and, and, and Evander Holyfield got a second win and knocked, and, and won the decision. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, uh, you know. Speaking of fights, and I know you're not a UFC guy, uh, but uh, I watched this Ronda. Oh, Ra- a little bit because the, the girl, the girl that knocked out Ronda Rousey was our IBA women's boxing champion. You know, really? Al- yeah, the girl from Albuquerque that, that first that first knocked her out, and then she got knocked out. Yeah, she got knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she got knocked out again. Uh, Rousey got knocked out again. And, and I, let me question. My question I want to throw at you because as a, as a, as a boxing. Yeah, you know, somebody comes off uh, a loss, whatever, and, uh, you know, the situation here is that the person she lost to uh, got the title taken away from her. When she returns, uh, as a manager, as a coach, uh, even as a fan, it seems to me that she would have taken a few warm-up fights instead of going in right into another title fight Uh, because she just, she wasn't ready for a title fight. No, I mean, Keith, there's an old saying. Now, some fighters, every fighter is different, but I'll give you a few examples. Like Roy Jones Jr., who was arguably one of the all-time pound-for-pound champions. Once he got so he got a brutal knockout, never the second fighter after that. Yeah. Just a shadow. Uh, there's a guy named Vernon Forrest, who fought out of Atlanta, George was a world champion. Vernon Forrest was doing great. Somebody clipped him. I think it was Shane Mosley that knocked him out, and he was never the same fighter again. A lot of fighters, when they're brutally knocked out, they're never the and, and the same thing like Gabriel Ellis killed the guy in the ring, and mm-hmm. Jimmy Garcia up at Caesar's Palace at that fight. And he killed this kid, and Gabe was never the same fighter again. Never the same fighter, you know, yeah. uh, after he killed the kid. So it's like, and it's, it's the same thing with when somebody's experienced a brutal knockout. Some fighters don't know how to handle blood. When they, that's why it's happy. He was so funny because he used to lick his blood, you know, <laughs> show it to the fans, you know. And uh, but you know, but you know, the, the funny thing is, some fighters when they bleed for the first time, they freak out. They freak out, you know. And it's the same thing with the, the knockouts, man. The guy's had a traumatic knockout. You can usually tell a traumatic knockout. You watch a lot of fights, Keith. Yeah. You ever see a guy laying on the ground and he, and he kind of shakes his legs, shakes. Yeah. His, yeah like. Uh, that's how Ingemar Johansson was when Floyd Patterson knocked him out in the second fight. He, was, he, was, he had convulsions. When you get one of those knockouts, you usually aren't the same fighter after something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's it, it's like you said, the guy should have, she should have taken some tune-up fights with tomato cans, you know, just to get her confidence back. You right. know what I mean? But to go into, this girl's terrific, I understand. Even though she's lost three fights or four fights, uh, they say she's the real she had, her, she had her, she had her on reach, and she had, sat her, yeah. had her on toughness, and just I mean she she tagged her with the like the first forty seconds of the fight, and it was over after forty six seconds. So you know it was. Yeah, uh, I mean Ronda's good for the sport though because she's pretty, she's cute, you know she's done a little acting. So you know anytime you can attract things like that. I mean Laura Ball was a woman golfer that never won a golf tournament, and she was the highest paid woman golfer of all of them because yeah. she was beautiful. You know what I mean? So, you know, some of those golfers looked like Wallace Spirou. You know, so, uh, she was gorgeous, you know what I'm saying? She was absolutely beautiful. Laura Ball was her name. And she, she was doing commercials and the Colgate commercial and this commercial and that commercial. And she was, uh, you know, it just she was she was uh, this Mark McCormick that represented the first agent to represent Arnold Palmer. She had him as, he had her as a client, yeah. uh, this Mark McCormick. 
and he really promoted her big time. Well, I, I saw Rousey uh, fight a lot of fights, and I saw her whip a lot of people, and, and she she could fight, and and she could submit, and she earned she earned her right, and she she did uh, she did make a name for the women in that sport, but. Uh, you know, what she get three million for that fight, Keith? I think she got three million. I think she did, yeah. And and nobody was talking about the challenger and you know stuff stuff like that. You know, when the challenger is a title holder and everybody's talking about the other person, that gives him a little bit more incentive too. And, and you were talking about, like you said, uh, with people were never the same. I saw an interview. I can't remember this guy's name. The Italian kid who who killed uh, Duke, Duke Luke, uh, whatever his name. You're talking about Boom Boom Mancini. Boom Boom Mancini. Yeah, I, I saw an interview with him, and he said, you know, I I really. After that, I really didn't. I did. It was hard for me to to fight. I really didn't have it anymore. Exactly right. Yeah. I'll sure. give you a little story. This is like a little trivia. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrating when he killed Duke Kim, knocking Duke Kim to the ground. He made the cover of Sports Illustrated. Do you know there's a bounty out for twenty thousand bucks if you can? He will never. He's never signed a Sports Illustrated. Oh, that's right. That's right. So if 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 somebody ever got him to sign the cover, it was twenty grand. <laughs> the true story. He was so upset about it. You know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, would get Sports Illustrated's autographed. He never signed the cover. Yeah, and he's a real nice guy. Boom boom. They just inducted him in the uh, in New York. Excellent, so, excellent. I saw I seen a couple interviews here. with him, and he just seems like a, a solid, decent human being. Wonderful. Bob, I want to thank you once again for for joining us. It's always a pleasure, and, and it's always great to have a chance to talk to you, brother. And I, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join us tonight. Well, Keith, it's always an honor to be on your show, and it's certainly fun when we're talking about the good times, like I see in these things. You know, isn't that fun? I mean, uh, God, you know, what a, what a great son. And I'm so glad you're an SC fan. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I mean, I, I haven't talked to – I'd be curious to see what AD thought of the game. You're going to talk to him today? I'm going to talk to him in about five minutes. Oh, okay, great. Well, anyway, God bless you, and, and happy new year. Let's have some fun this year. Absolutely. You too, brother. And, and by the way, I was going to buy your lunch in December – now I'm going to make you buy it when you come out to Malibu. All right, because that's, you, that's you, a fair I'm, deal. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. It's always going to be on the heat. Get, get your family out here. I will. Okay, God bless. God bless, Bob. Thanks a lot. Bob Case, everybody. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to him. we got Anthony Davis coming up next. Going to take a quick break. You're listening to Swoops Road on Talkstar Radio Network. Sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. Back after this.
My name is Joe Thompson. I'm 29, and thanks to my college degree, I'm a systems analyst. And the college me would tell you. I wouldn't be here without Big Brothers Big Sisters. My big brother believed in me, and to a 7-year-old... That means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil, and Phil is the reason that this 7-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Psst, hey, over here, behind the fence. Huh, you, the bike? Yeah, the bike, here in the grass where the kids left me a while ago. Could you get the dust off my seat and remind the kids how fun I still am? Okay. Oh, you are dusty. I may need my spokes tightened, too. Let's go. As Native American parents and caregivers, our encouragement to healthy lifestyles for our kids is helping them get outside and play. Get ideas, get involved, get going at letsmove.gov slash Indian Country. Brought to you by USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Talk Story Radio. Hello, this is Steve Delamater, and hello to all you out there on the interwebs. Keep it right here on Swoops World. Shaking, baby, wanna go for a spin. I got the top down, looking round at places I've been. There's a diner on the corner, let's go there. intro for A.D. Anthony Davis, and hopefully we'll get him on the line right this second to see if we get him right this right now here. Good evening. Good evening. We'd like to welcome back to the show five-time national champion out of USC, played in the NFL and the CFL, and is, uh, drafted for the, uh, in, in, in the Major League Baseball. He's just an all-around athlete and a super nice guy. Welcome back to the show, A.D. How you doing, brother? Doing Okay. Crazy weekend. Crazy weekend, man. And, and I, I just had a, a Bob Case on the line, and he was at the Rose Bowl. We spent some time talking about the Rose Bowl, and and I, I brought it to his attention. I can only think of another time when a, uh, SC scored 52 points, and they'd gone in at halftime 28 nothing, and uh, some guy named Anthony Davis rolled off six touchdowns to, uh, to, to rock uh, Notre Dame's world that day. Yeah, well, that was a long time ago, but <laughs> a lot of people say that uh, uh, they should see that again, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, you know, the, the the your team looked good, man. What did you think of the Rose Bowl? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I was really happy for Sam uh, Darnell. He He's the real deal. I mean, the kid had command. They had some problems in the first half, but he brought it back. And uh, the thing I'm really impressed with him, he's he's calm, he's collective, he's a, he's elusive. You know, nothing really shakes him. He's big, he's strong. And all they can do is build on that for next year. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. But I think, I think if they 
stay focused around him and put the pieces around him, I think the program can come back to where everybody's known it to come to be. Yeah. A lot of talk about, uh, you know, a lot of the past SC quarterbacks and, uh, and saying that this guy is the real deal and he's and he's probably better than a couple of Heisman Trophy winners that came out of there uh, at, the, at the quarterback position. Uh, he, he seems to have all the all the right parts and all the right, uh, you know, mental you know, capacity for the game, and he, he's level-headed and makes pretty good decisions. Uh, what are your thoughts on where he uh, is likely to fit on the uh, the history of SC quarterbacks? Well, first of all, I'd just like to go all the way back to his high school days. A lot of people don't know. He played he played defense in high school, playing Corinthian High School. And a quarterback got hurt, and he told the coach, well, I can play quarterback. And, uh, and then I found out there was only one person that was recruiting him. I think it was Ed Ogeron. Uh, and that was it. He wasn't even highly recruited, but he wanted to go to USC. Wow. And he ended up at USC, and uh, the sky the limit. Sky the limit for him. I mean, and, and yet you got to know, you got to know, sport and everything is, is, is timing. And his timing was great. I know SC's had some problems over the last few years, but he's the guy that can take him to the promised land. He looks good. Uh, I think uh, we've seen a lot of things happen this year, uh, as well as you know the, the the personnel on the field, but uh, the personnel off the field. I think uh, you know the, the offensive coordinators making some good calls, defensive coordinators making some good calls. Uh, they they kind of got the running game uh, combined with the passing game, which gives them a little bit more depth. And uh, you know, it's, it, a lot of things have changed in the in this, the majority of this season. That. Really, uh, they made him gel. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, look, when, when, when Hilton was putting the staff together, both defense and offense, and, you know, they had to all come together. They had to learn each other. They had they, they to learn the system. They had to learn the system. And, uh, and the whole deal, you know. And, and the thing is, it takes time. And, and they put, brought together, everybody's being critical of them and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't want to say that. Yeah. You know, so the thing is, from my perspective, <laughs> you got your hands full, brother. Yeah, it looks like we do. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. It's a little interruption. I deal with interruptions all the time. <laughs> As you were saying, you were saying about you know about uh, having them coming together and 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 and, and uh, you you have to talk about this a lot. Well, 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 here it is: when you bring a staff together, right. and they haven't been for a while. And what I'm impressed is about the fact that all the turmoil and all the controversy they brought it together. And all you could do is take your hats off to Clay Hilton for doing that. You got to remember, Marty was very highly critical of them, and I knew that. Anyway, they had to put things together if they were going to be successful. Right. I knew it was going to be a going, you know, putting the staff together and them all dealing on the same, all cylinders. So they they put it together. I mean, they like it's the hottest team in the country at the end of the year. Right. So they proved it, and they proved the fact that look out because SC is coming back, and those and now the kids being recruited. They see that the program is focused. They see they can do go, go somewhere with USC, and, and in the last few weeks, uh, that's turned the whole program around, in my opinion. 
we we talk about the, the the poise of the players on the field and 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 their demeanor on the field but you know you look at the coach you look you look at the coaches on the sideline um you, they they seem to be uh into the game but calm uh they don't seem to overreact. They seem to make good decisions. They throw the challenge flag only when needed. Uh, they don't seem to be berating the the, uh, the referees on the sideline, but they'll speak up when they think they've been wronged. I think they set a good example for the players out there. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. And, you know, you got to remember, ball players, I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time the fact that ball players throw, play through the personality of their coach. And, uh, and, you know, when the player takes on the head coach, and then the systems around the head coach takes on that. That that takes for a great football team and a great program, and that's what it has to be. But the way you know it has been in the past with them jumping back and forth with different coaches, no cohesiveness, no leadership. The leadership is is flaky. I mean, and the kids are don't know if they're going north or south. They don't know what's going on. Right. So, but now it seems like the program is focused now. I I do I do think so. I think it's focused. I think uh, regardless of uh, what what happens in, you know next year, I, I think you were right. Uh, the t- coaches need to get uh, you know four or five years to uh, to get their stamp on it. I mean sometimes things seem to happen quickly, but you know it, you know they have, they have to recruit. They're going to lose a few players. Have to recruit, bring some new people on. But I still think. You know, people were quick to say, uh, you know, maybe he needs to go after the first four games. But, uh, you know, I think regardless of what happens next year, we're, we're all looking for expecting big things. But if it doesn't take off that way right away, I think he still needs to get four or five years under his belt. Yeah, well, the thing is, like I said, you, you, you can't you can't turn a program around in a year or two or whatever. you got to give a, a person to acclimate the program, get, get, get all the players in sync, get the players he needs. And you build that way. It takes a little time, and, and especially with a school like USC, you just, it's no quick fix. Right. We didn't USC didn't get there like like the, like the quick overnight. It takes a little time because you know you know the kingdom was knocked down. Now you got to rebuild the blocks. And I see it's a turnaround now. And and now I'll see a lot of the kids want to come back to USC you know, because because in the last four or five six years that wasn't really the first choice, especially even in Southern California. Right. Unless he was just a diehard kid, just wanted to go to USC, regardless, which is a lot of them. But the kids that were looking for USC to be the known powers, the national champions, and, and Rose Bowl champions, and all the All Americans and the Heisman Trophy candidates, you know, now they want to come back to that. That's what I sense. And as well, they should. I mean, they're, they're building they're building this program up uh, with quality players, quality people. Um, and I think things are I think things are looking up. Um, <clears throat> I haven't heard, and I, you know I guess it's a good thing because I, I I said this in the past. Uh, you know I, I never knew a school where I heard so much about the athletic director uh, in the past. Uh, usually you know I don't have the time I don't know who the athletic director is for a university, and when I do, it's uh, you know just they just mention him for in passing. It looks like SC's kind of gone back to that. I know we know it's Lynn Swan, but I don't hear a lot of stuff about. Swan on a day-to-day basis, like we did with the previous guy, and you said that you know a lot of things happen from the head down. Do you think? Do you think a change in the in the leadership in the athletic program um, has kind of set a tone over there? Uh, that's kind of you know working its way down that could create the situation that we saw with this with this team this week. 
Well, I don't know uh, pretty much what 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 the impact was been with Swan and being there. I just know he, he was is a changed individual. And both of those individuals, Hayden and, and Swan, were my teammates. But I think that the gentleman who is really the, the, the blood and guts behind the program is a guy by the name of Steve Lopes, who's been there for 30-something years. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's been consulting uh, uh, Swan a lot, and I know in the backdoor meetings they have to be talking all the time. you know. So Steve Lopes is probably the veteran administrator there. Uh, so uh, I think that's what's going on. And, you know, he's teaching the ropes about how things go and stuff like that. And, and eventually he'll, you know, take the reign. But I think he's getting tutored from all, from all different aspects. Yeah. No insulting. It just that's the way it is. It just you know, you know, uh Steve Lopes knows all the bones are, all the bodies buried, he knows everything. So uh because, you know, everybody's in place. The basketball program's in place, the football program is definitely in place now. So just a matter of just managing that and hope everything comes out well. What I know you played baseball at SC. Uh what what is what is the baseball team looking like and what are you what are your what are your thoughts on how that program is shaping up? Well, this it's been a, it's a tough road. I don't know how it's going to shape up because you know as it is with the kind of money these kids get today coming out of high school and JC, you know they go to the major leagues and and there's a lot of money. So a lot of kids with us, like I said, they just want to go to a, a program and develop. Uh, and you know right on that borderline being drafted, they'll go SC and get an, get a, someone of education and then wait for the draft coming up for the high school and the college draft. Yeah. But uh, I just think a lot of the top talent now is just going straight to the major leagues, not like it was you know years ago, unless you make some phenomenal bonus offers and stuff based on the round you go to. But I don't know uh, about the USC situation in baseball. I, I, I think that, as we say, based on our tradition, are they what the programs were when I was there? Or oh, not at all. Yeah. But, I mean, they do have some talent in the kids there, but. But basically, the bottom line is, like, is SC here again? I mean, you're talking 11 national champions, and I was on three of them. So uh, th- that is the standard at SC. If you're not in the regionals, if you're not going to the, the, to the Omaha for the College World Series, well, what is it to talk about? I mean, you know, you definitely got to win the Pac-12 title, wherever how it's set up now. But I think SC's got some their work cut out for them. they got a little ways to go. Yeah. But like I said, the top-notch talent is just going straight into the major leagues today because the money is so great. It's it is, and and you know we we kind of talked about this in the past. Uh, it's it's good to see guys who who do who do go the the four-year route uh, and, and and get that education into. But sometimes that's hard to pass up um, when you when you're coming out of high school and they're offering you that, that kind of money, and you know you spend a year or two in in the double A, triple A ball, and then next thing you know you're you're in the major leagues, but you've you've got that whole paycheck going the whole time. So, uh, you know, it's 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 something to think about, and especially with you know people coming from different financial backgrounds and what they're looking for, it, it makes it difficult on a guy. But uh, and then it can affect certain programs too. Right, absolutely. I mean, uh, for example, with me, you know, I was drafted out of high school, top pick by Baltimore, and the money was great. But because they figured the education was better, and they figured I'd do do more, but. A lot of people said I should have came out of high school, went took that money from Baltimore, and played 15, 20 years of Major League Baseball. But uh, but a lot of people said what you did was great, and there's water on the bridge. So, you know, you know, I have regrets and stuff. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll take what I what what I what I did in my career. But 
like I said, if I had to do it all over for all the stuff that's come out now, I'd, I'd, I'd have played baseball. It probably wouldn't have been a Notre Dame killer, but <laughs> but, but 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 since we're talking about it, it is a Notre Dame killer now. So I mean, it's, it is what it is, and I'm I, I wouldn't throw it away. No, no, it's all good, brother. All good. What are your thoughts on, on these bowl games? Uh, obviously, you know, I, I think SC or Penn State could have beat Ohio State this week. I think SC could uh, match up would get real well against Alabama. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, you know the Alabama Clemson uh, matchup and, and and the bowl games we've seen this past this past weekend? Okay, let's start with that. Let's start with uh, let's just start with the playoffs period with Washington Alabama. Uh, Washington could have played a little better, but I had Alabama winning that game. Clemson, uh, Ohio State, that was a shocker to me. I didn't think that Urban Meyer's team, I don't care where he is in rebuilding or whatever, would be would be shut out. So that's that's the plus for Clemson. But I just think sometimes you don't know what Clemson teams will show up. Right. In, term, in, 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 in terms of uh, Alabama, that was a, a typical grind them out. Alabama win. I mean, they could have blew them out, but they grinded it out. Either it was a little bit of self-destruction within Alabama and how they're performing, and that's just a, that, that's a Nick Saban team. Sometimes they grind it out. I don't know. It's because well, they suck. It's because of the so-called rumors of clashing with Saban and, and Kiffin. I don't know uh, the fact that where he was dismissed or if it was mutual, or whatever. But that was all very odd to me how that happened, and. Uh, and then, you know, when you go to USC, uh, Penn State, now the big controversy, which, you know, I was hosting the, the USC-Penn uh, State Rose Bowl game down at the Tavern Bowl in Costa Mesa. And we had some, we had some Colorado fans in the place. <laughs> and, and a lot of the Colorado fans felt slighted because SC didn't win the Pac-12 championship, but Colorado did based on the system. They felt that Colorado should have been in the Rose Bowl. And that Colorado should have been Ohio State, and Penn State should have been in, in, in the in the playoff hunt. And I, we had some Penn State folks in there too, griping about that. So even though they came to the Rose Bowl as the Big Ten Big Ten champion, they felt that their team should have been in the match in the playoffs. And it, it was it was sort of a bit of a controversy. It was a good time in, in doing it at the tavern, but you had all that going on as well. So overall. Uh, but like I've always told you about the playoff stuff and what goes on, I just think you need to revamp the whole system. It just it's just a it's just it's just flawed, very flawed. And uh, it was some exciting games, but it's still flawed. What Oklahoma did, okay, Oklahoma's strong, but I still think that if if, if the system set up, you'd have even more interest and stuff like that. But 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 but, but what it is, what it is. I found the games being very interesting, but I was shocked the fact that Ohio State got blanked. And that's the reason why I think a lot of people created that talking controversy because of what happened to Ohio State, especially when it came to the USC-Penn State game Yeah. versus who should be where. Well, I'm telling you, you should have told the people from Colorado they should just keep their mouth shut because the way they stunk up that, that, <laughs> that Alamo Bowl. <laughs> You know, I, had to, you know, I, had to, I had to be calm and, and optimistic because, you know, you know, they were in there trying to gather a good time and uh, 
the tavern. I'm signing autographs and talking football. My Sports Illustrated camera was floating around. We did a we did a drawing for my jersey and stuff like that. So I didn't want to I didn't want to blow them out and tell them that you know hey you guys need to go sit down and have a drink over here somewhere. <laughs> I didn't do that. I, I, I let I let it blow the steam off and stuff like that. And then you know I just started discussing the system stuff like how we talk about the playoffs and, and everything. But pretty much everybody in there agreed with my scenario, how things could be, how it would be more interesting. Much more interesting, and it only makes sense. Um, you're right. I think I think conference winners need to play. You know, we need to be a playoff, I mean, a regular playoff, the way most sports do playoffs, and, and, and you, you win your way to the national championship. And uh, everybody has a fair shot. <laughs> I think... Uh, when you start picking teams to, to be in certain bowl games and picking teams to, to be uh, to play certain games for the national championship, uh, it takes it takes away what happens on the field. It should happen on the field. The decision should be made on the field. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that and that was the general consensus with everybody down at the Tavern Bowl this past weekend. I mean, everyone that I talked to, including the women. There were big fans said the same thing. Isn't that right? The, the females were talking the same stuff. And, 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 and the fact, and I was impressed because there was one woman in there that knew everything. And she and she laid her own playoff system down. I said, you should have been on that committee. You should be advocating that yourself. So, I mean, what it is, they can say whatever they want. They can hype it all you want. But like I've told you before, everybody that I've talked to wants a full-fledged playoff system, especially after this year. Yeah. Especially after this year. And, and, every, and everybody that I talk to anywhere via SC fans or football fans, period, they all agree that said that SC and Penn State were the hottest teams in the year, especially SC, yeah. SC being the hottest. And I believe with the sluggishness of the game and how it ended up 52-49, whatever that score was, I think it's just because of the major layoff. I really do. I think the reason it got wild and got crazy, even though it was an exciting game, is because you saw some of the rust, you saw a little of that, and uh, and it, it, so I mean, that's that that you're seeing the layoff. You can't lay off 30 days and play. Like I've said, it's been it's it, it it's only been a few players in my in my football opinion who can keep a team focused, as far as conditioning wise and mental, the mental part of the game. We we looked at um, you know what did you think? Uh, number eleven, Florida State beats Michigan. Number number uh, number six, Michigan, thirty-three, thirty-two. Um, I know Harbaugh was was beside himself. Well, I don't really know the truth about the Harbaugh situation, the team, but I understand from from talk around the country that he had he was treating this as like a it was like double day camp training. Yeah, uh, with the guys. I mean, first of all, I'm totally against that. I mean, look, look. this is the end of the year, and I, I like him as a coach, but the bottom line, you don't burn your kids out, especially at a bowl situation. Yeah. You just don't do that. I think the kids were fatigued and tired, even though they played well, but they were for tired. And I just believe that you throw the rankings out anyway because, like, look at them giving a given day. Somebody can beat you, and Florida State beat them decisively. So I'm just saying to you that, uh, you know, and they rank them what eleven and twelve, and they're they're six and what uh, Michigan is number six. Yeah, Michigan is number so, I mean, six, and Florida State, I believe, was eleven. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I mean, it, see, when you see games like that, and Ohio State game getting a shutout and all that, no, no, let me tell you something. No one expected Ohio State to get shut out. 
No. And that just, that just tells you, you know, any given day, anything can happen. That's what I said. You know, anything can happen. Now, now, you, you, jumping off the way from Florida State and Michigan, you look, you look at Western Michigan with Wisconsin. Even though Michigan didn't win, Western Michigan didn't win, they all, that also said that they can play in the Big Ten in any, any conference in America. That's based on their performance. Right. Because two or three plays in, they could have went, went the other way. I mean, it went the same way with Michigan and Florida State. But the fact is, any given day, somebody can beat you. Number 12 beat number six. I mean, okay, whoopee-doo. I mean, it, it. that's why everything needs to be thrown out. It's, uh, you know, you, you look at some of these, you look at some of these games and, and, you know, some of these, some of these matchups. I mean, like Stanford ranked number uh, 18, they played an unranked North Carolina team and they beat them by two points. So, like you said, you know, people come on that field ready to play. You just never know. You never know. And then you have, you know, uh, you know, Oklahoma State just romps over, you know, they were number 12 and they, they beat number 10 Colorado 38 to 8. So, these these artificial rankings that uh, you know they're, they're decided by you know people. They mean are, nothing. Yeah, they mean nothing. They absolutely mean nothing they, at they all. That, that that's a round table pick. I mean, that's what it is. That's that's what frustrates everybody. I mean, you got a human element picking people and how they match up. Do it head on the phys- the, the human physical way. Hey, my man against your man on on this Saturday. Let's see who wins. That's the way it should be. Yeah, that's the way it should be. And, and, and it's, and, and, and from, it's going to be flawed from here on out. And when you hear people like me talking like this and feel the people that are pro, pro, full-fledged players, you're going to keep hearing our mouths until something happens because it, it, it's not going to be right anyway. It's not going to be right. I mean, I believe if SC played Alabama, it would have been a different game than the first. Oh, yeah. Totally a different game. Absolutely. First. Absolutely. Okay, so, so, and so as it is, even Washington, who didn't have the, the athletes that SC had, uh, that had been a, a, a different replacement too. Washington OSC is a real hot team. Was a hot team, but I in, in the Washington situation, Alabama just shouldn't because they had no run game. You got to have a run game in the pass game to beat Alabama. Yeah, you, you just got to have a balanced attack and every, and every look in every aspect of the game, every phase of the game, you got to be at the top of, to, to be the Alabama team because that's how coached and well sound. Co- coach team Alabama is with, with Nick Saban's team, period. They're well coached and they're very disciplined. And so 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 anything can happen, anything can go, and that's the reason why uh it, it, it and people would say, well how will we win against uh Alabama? And and Penn State was saying the same thing. SC people are saying the same thing. So, you know, there's different perspectives about everything all over the country. But there's one thing I do know. Comprehensively, the system is whacked out. <laughs> it's not right. Period. You're absolutely right about that. One of the one of the things I heard, uh, you know, I'm just listening to the to, to the you know the little shows, the talk shows, and whatnot, and, and reading some articles. Apparently, uh, uh, Saban and Kiffin Jess were. were they were, they were upset with each other on the sidelines, and apparently this is kind of the, like the last straw for Saban. That's why he let him go before the last game. Uh, I guess he was he was upset about some of the calls he was making, and 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 Kiffin. Uh, this is the this is the word out. I don't know for a fact. Uh, you know, didn't show the you know didn't really 
just kind of shrugged his shoulders and kind of told him basically, you know, too bad type of thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, have you heard anything uh, along those same lines, or, or the people I hear talking are talking out their ass? Well, first of all, put it this way: as a former player, collegiate and professional, when you have a head coach and a coordinator clash like that, and you're going to your final game that can win the national championship, you and, and you either you mutually, or you just say, "Hey, man, I I don't have time for this. You got to go. You got new. You're a new head coach. Go focus on that." Then they had a class on the sidelines. Something's wrong with that picture. That's oh, very disruptive. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen anything like that. A coach just mutually no. Uh, most people think he got fired. Most people say, well, hey, I disagree. I just step down. And let you bring Sarkeesian in there. And a lot of the SC people I've talked to are tripping on Sarkeesian situation in the Kipling because they were both at SC. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to figure out how the how's that happening. So I mean, it, it's sort of a soap opera amongst SC people because those two guys, or what you want to say, two characters, whatever you want to, how you want to categorize them, were both at SC. And most people believe that Kiffin and Sarkeesian is one and the same. I mean, it just one's personality is a little different, but basically they they call football games both basically the same way. And they have the same kind of offensive philosophy in calling games. So, uh, but it, it's very odd for me to see a, a head coach in a national championship game, relieve his coordinator. We've gotten that far. I know, I believe Nick Saban has kept the reins close on Kiffin, and it's definitely his offense. I think Kiffin tried to stretch it out a little bit, and, and then when, it, when it's when, 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 in my opinion, from a distance, when Saban felt that it was a little out of whack and getting out of his control, he pulled in the reins. Yeah. I think there was something that went down between the two, like we none, none of us know, that really irritated the point to make that move. And I'm sure uh, Saban's got the, the blessings from the university in discussions and talks. Because I, I don't really think it was just him per se. From afar, from afar, I think he consulted with some other people. But I think it was definitely mutual. But. That's very odd for that to happen. Oh yeah, because nobody, nobody, nobody leaves going into the national championship game. Nobody, nobody walks away after a, a full season and says, "Well, you know, I'm going to get started on my my next job uh, for next year." You know, he's not nobody's he's not recruiting the next week or you know prior to the national championship game. He doesn't have to get his office organized prior to the national championship game. Doesn't have to pick out furniture. Uh, it's a, it's a BS statement. Uh, we know everybody knows that. Uh, you know, he's, he's basically been fired. You know, they want to try to make safe face. So what, you know, and then it's not like he's going anywhere spectacular anyway. So, uh, obviously something happened between them. We, you know, it's, you know, that's, I guess that's what you call workplace, uh, knowledge and, and, and they don't need to, to let everybody else know, but, uh, don't play us for fools either. Well, first of all, I, I, I have to believe him going to this next stop that he's going to is probably has the, the administration over there, the new, the new university is going to, a little concern. You know, that, 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 that's, if, if I'm the president of the university and I'm the athletic of that university, I would have some questions to ask uh, Kiffin when he, get, when he gets there or ASAP. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen with what happen if we go to that university and something like that happens again? So, so it, it, it's got to, it has to be some concern to them. If not, what off their backs, we'll find out. But 
if I'm the president and the athletic director, I would have some concern. That's just me. Because because basically it says leopards don't change their spots. That's basically what they're saying, the reason why he was gone. I mean, now Nick Sabans does that in the national championship game week. <laughs> I don't get that one. <clears throat> I don't get that. Well, either. I mean, can't, he said, well, can't you manage another game? One, you can manage another week? Yeah. I mean, can't you just let him stay there another week? Is it, was, it, was it that devastating for you to relieve him when you got one week to go and you're going to be favored going in this game? But obviously it must have been so devastating that the man had to make a move. You know, like you said, you can put any kind of cover or face <laughs> on it. There's something wrong here. Yeah, absolutely right. And you know, it's it's got to be. Uh, here's the thing: you got to question him regardless. I mean, here's a guy. You look at his coaching career. You know, he was an assistant at Fresno State, ninety-seven, ninety-eight; Colorado State, ninety-nine; Jacksonville Jaguars, two thousand; USC, one through uh, 06. Then he's at the Raiders for a year. Then he's at Tennessee for a year. Then he's at SC for three years and Alabama for two years. And now he's at, hey, the guy bounces around so much. I, I'm surprised that he just, he gets so many offers uh, so consistently. Um, and he really doesn't even, uh, he, he didn't even get any, lay, get any roots growing anywhere, man. He didn't even get planted really well. He, I mean, the longest, his longest stint was at SC where he was the tight end coach starting in 01, and uh, he left there in 06. Uh, then he came back as the head coach from 10 through 13. So uh, the guy, he bounces around every year, every two years. Well, all I can tell you is this. If that was me, I'd have been out of good football long before that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he, he's got the luck of the <laughs> – He's got the luck of the. He's got the luck. I tell you, I don't know. I don't know how you put your pen on it. I don't know what he knows or what he's done. I have no clue. But I know most people wouldn't have that kind of opportunity. No. I mean, he went from the pro. I mean, he he's been everywhere. Yeah. And, and he's been around, you know, for the longest. So I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, there's a lot of other people out there. Got. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with talent. Like I said, you got talent in the coaching world. And you got talented players at all levels, and why? And why this guy is getting these opportunities like that? At some powerhouse situation too. I mean, USC, Alabama. I mean, unbelievable. I can get, I can give them somewhat of a break with the Raiders, because they, you know, this is the first year they've done anything in the last 10, 15 years. But, but even still, in Tennessee, that was that was something else. So, who knows? Okay. I mean, I'm looking at something I'm, called sports. I'm, I'm, I'm sports situation with this, but 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 everything seems odd to me, especially in the last week or so. And then also, you talk about the Kiffin situation. You talk about the statement. That's that's a very and I can I can I, I guarantee you can talk to anybody in the media, anybody around football. They would they would be shaking their head. What is going on with that? Yeah. And they would say they don't even understand that. Yeah. Well. Well, we'll see, man. Let's let's move matter on. Of fact, matter, matter of fact, I guarantee you, none of this is this is this is the first time this has ever happened in the history of the way or football period where your offensive coordinator is dismissed of the week of the championship game, regardless if he has a, 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 a head coaching job or not. That has never happened. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> and, I, and I guarantee there's some coaches around 
there's coaches around. He says, how come I can't have those opportunities? Because a lot of guys don't get those opportunities. Right. So I don't know what he's got going to hook these people, but uh, that's amazing to me. Well, I'm sure I'm sure something to come out over the next couple of weeks, and 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 and, and word trickles out, and because uh, you know, as they say, you know, three men can keep a secret if two of them are dead. So uh, whatever it is, it, it'll it'll leak out eventually. But uh, nobody 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 walks away uh, from a job uh, the week before the, the national championship game. Uh, I don't buy it, and not at all. Let's let's jump on let's jump on the NFL for a quick bit here, man. You got we're going into the playoffs, in the NFL. Uh, you know, you, you've you've mentioned how well what a what a well-rounded machine they have over there in in, uh, in Boston. Uh, you look at uh, you look at what's happened there this year with New England. Uh, you know, uh, Brady he threw twenty-eight touchdowns and only two interceptions. Uh, he didn't lead the league in touchdowns, but I think the lead, the leader in the league of touchdowns only threw like four or five more touchdowns. And you got to realize Brady missed four games. Uh, what is it about Brady and Belichick that uh, that just keeps they just keep on rolling? Man, they got a. It's like a NASCAR engine. These guys that they, they're running engine until it blows up, and they have they have another win ready. These guys just keep running. They got a well-oiled machine. It's like it's like Belichick's on the sideline, or either Belichick's at quarterback, or Brady can be on the sideline, or he can be. But that that's how in sync they are. Yeah. They know exactly what they need to do. And then also, and, 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 and every time someone comes in there from any organization or either new guy for agent, whatever, they acclimate real quick and they adjust real quick. So I mean, and that's a rare and unique situation. No one in football has that. And it's never been, and has not been there in the last 13 years since they've been there. They've always been knocking on the Super Bowl door. No one else can say that. And in, in bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, you can you, you can honestly say that Belichick has, has been the great, the best coach in, in pro football history. Now, I mean, you got you can start. You can take your mess to the top five. You got him. You got Shula. You got Knowles. You got Landry. You got Bill Walsh. I mean. Those would be my Mount Rushmore, okay? But the way what Belichick's doing with a combination of Brady, can't match it. Yeah. You just can't match Those guys, they make everybody play better. And if you have a question of them in another organization, when they get to the Patriots, they're better. Like I always bring it up, Corey Dillon, Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, comes to the Patriots, leaves the league in Washington, Super Bowl champion. And they were saying he was all messed up and messed up in the brain. Hey. It makes and it makes Belichick look like a genius, and they look like the other people look like idiots. What did we miss, and what we didn't see in this guy? Well, and see, and that's what the, and that's what the Patriot organization does of exposing the lack of organization, lack of coaching, and working with individuals. And anybody who's paid for the Patriots, from what I've understand, has always basically said the same thing. We we talk about Brady a lot. And the Patriots a lot. Let me talk to you about another guy who who, who seems to uh, step it up. You know, a few years ago, things were going bad at the beginning of the season. He told everybody to relax. And uh, this year, things are going bad at the beginning of the season. He says we got enough to run the table. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers and uh, and the Green Bay Packers. What is it about Aaron, uh, Rodgers that uh, he's able to, to to make these statements and, and pretty much back them up? Well, he can make the you know he can make the statements. He's right, 
and and, and he, they've had a good good run. They have a good run, a good system up there in Green Bay. But uh, but the bottom line, you can sell that relaxer. You ain't no Tom Brady. <laughs> so, so so that sounds like something Brady would say. But that's okay for him to say it because I mean, he is a Super Bowl champ. But he ain't no Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. He he might be more mobile than Tom Brady, and whoever can make things up. But he ain't no Tom Brady. Like I said, Tom Brady had his mobility and Cam Newton's mobility, people like that. It, it would be a law. They'd have established a law the kind of numbers he would have if he had that. But even even saying that without him having that, from his waist up, he'll cut you in half like Swiss cheese. Nobody in the league has that. Aaron Rodgers said, you're right, that's right. Just relax, relax. And, you know, we're going to be okay, that's fine. But the key is, in the AFC, I'm going with the Patriots. Yeah. The NFC this year? Well, you got Seattle, okay. You got Dallas, and those are the two teams you got to go through. So, but the thing is, the odds of the Packers being the NFC champion, they can, it can happen because they got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But, 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 man for man, pound for pound, uh, you're going up against Pete Carroll, who's also a, a monster when it comes to playoff times too. So if you can say relax. But you ain't no Tom Brady. <laughs> let's look. Let's look at the matchups. Matchups this weekend. I think I believe the the uh, the Lions are the Lions go up to Seattle, and uh, the Giants are heading to uh, Green Bay for a couple of them. Let's talk about those two since we, we just mentioned a couple of those teams just now. What do you? What does Detroit look like? Well, first of all, Detroit, you know, uh, Stafford, and, and he, to me, I think he's a great quarterback myself. But the problem is I think the team is just fatigued. I mean, they played on Sunday. They got to go up there. They got to fly from, from from Detroit and wouldn't fly in, in Seattle. That's going to be tough on a team, but just from a fatigue standpoint. I don't – they got to really suck it up or whatever, take their vitamins because going in that stadium and then on a short week, I'm going. I'm, I'm going with Seattle. I mean, I don't. I don't see Detroit uh, disturbing Seattle in any kind of way. Yeah. I just think the team's tired, man. Frankly, yeah. I really do. You know, I, just, I mean, anything can happen. Don't get me wrong. They're pros, and you, you know, they, they're going to work and go out there and do hard, work hard. But I'm going Seattle because of and this is just a fatigue factor. I mean, a lot of people say, "What are you talking about?" They do well. Hey, I'm a former player. I, I, I know what happens. Yeah. You know, so that, that that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to Seattle. And uh, Giants, Giants heading to uh, to Lambeau, and I heard it's going to be single digits this year, uh, this week. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you got to go to Green Bay too, but good old Eli's always pulled him out of his hat. Uh, <laughs> Hasn't he though? <laughs> you no, know, he pulls him out of his hat. I don't know if he gets all that energy and stuff, but he pulls it out of his hat. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the Packers on this one. I'm gonna go with the Packers. I think the Packers squeak it out. Raiders and Texans. Or, yeah, Raiders, Raiders uh, versus Texans. Well, let me tell you something. I'm, you know, even though they got home field advantage, we can throw it away. But I'm just going to. That's a toss up. That can go. That can go anywhere. I don't know because you got both quarterback situations are suspect. Yeah. You got you, you got Cardis out. You got the other one just jumped back in the starting lineup. With this other one had a, had a concussion and. Uh, Look, you know that's anybody's game. I can't even I can't even put a pick on that one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to pick that. that I don't think anybody wants to handicap that opinion, one. <laughs> in my opinion, that's going to be an odd game. Yeah, that'll be an odd game. 
Dolphins at Steelers. Uh, this kid, that, well, he's not a kid. He's, he's a journeyman uh, backup. Uh, what's his name? Moore uh, for the Dolphins. He's, he's, he's played with a lot of Steelers. teams. He's a good player. Well, Steelers. I mean, they did have a shot with, with, with Sue in the middle there but uh, on, on defense. But you got to go with the Steelers. Yeah. Walkenberger and, <clears throat> and, and, and that receive, the receiving core and the running game. It's just too. It's just too much for the Dolphins. Think, think about the Steelers. You know, they're they're uh, they're always in the hunt, and uh, you know, you got guys like that, and and they know, and you know, in situations like this, you know, there's a lot of teams they can't beat, but uh, they, I think they know how to win these kind of games with with teams of the, of the of the Dolphins caliber. I don't think the Dolphins, Dolphins have played some good ball this season. I think they're what the ten and six, whatever, and the Steelers eleven right. and five, but. I, I still don't see them as a as a powerhouse. No, I agree. Totally agree with that. Don't see it. So those those are the matchups this week. We're looking forward to what, what you still you 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 we good the following week is going to be the the divisional championships, and then we'll go on to a little layoff, and then uh, we'll have a Super Bowl. So uh, we, you know, football still has a little bit of time left, and uh, we the collegiate football has still got to. A game left, so uh, you know, for us football junkies, all is not lost yet. <clears throat> well, first we're gonna start with with, with Monday in the national championship game, and uh, that'll be the national championship. Then you got the NFL games going, and it, it, it's gonna be an interesting week. Yeah. But those are my picks. You probably want to know what I think about the Alabama Clemson game. I definitely wanted to know what you think about the Alabama Clemson game. I'm pretty sure it had had there not been the turmoil in the coaching spot, you wouldn't even blink at it. But uh, what what are you thinking? I think that it's going to be a shootout, and uh, I think it's going to be Clemson. You said something earlier, which is true. You never know which Clemson team's going to show up. Uh, I think a few years ago, Clemson came in and did some crazy stuff against somebody. I can't remember who it was. And and when no, when they're when they're on their game, they can pretty much beat anybody. Uh, but nobody ever, very rarely, do people expect them to beat a lot of these teams. Uh, I think with the, I, I might have to agree with you on this. I think with uh, moving. Uh, What's his name up? Kiffin moving out. It causes a little turmoil in the thing. I think Clemson's coming off a, a really, really, really good win. Uh, I think yeah. they're, they're I think they're coming in strong. I'm going with Clemson in a shootout. We're talking like a 52-49 shootout, or is, there, are those, is, that, is that all used up this year? It could be. It yeah. could be, but I'm going to take the shootout. Right. And then uh, we, can be, we can probably both be totally wrong, but... <laughs> It can. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm going to shoot out. I really do. That's I'm, what I think I, I'm expecting an exciting game, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll talk about it again next week, brother. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Ad. As always, it's it's a pleasure to have a chance to talk to you. Before you go, tell everybody about your book. Well, I mean, you know, kickoff concussion is out there. Uh, Lulu.com, Amazon. Uh, then this book, I was part of the concussion movie with Dr. Amen, who wrote the Ford on the book. Uh, 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 I've been on his program almost 10 years now. Of course, we've been talking about, you know, college and pro football. And, but at the end of the day, what I suggest to the book and my program with Amen is that you have to 
Treat your brain. If you don't treat the brain, see, if you play the game, you have you to treat, treat your brain. Your brain. <laughs> there it is right there, brother. <laughs> and then if you don't treat the brain, the brain will die. It definitely so, I mean, will. So, so that's what I'm advocating through the book, and that's the program we have. If, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they can contact me at the Amen Clinics, you know, www.amenclinic.clinics.com. And just leave a message for Anthony Davis if you're interested. So that's what's going on. AD, as always, a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you, man. And and we'll do it again next week. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Thank you. You too. Great Anthony Davis, everybody. And it's always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with him and, and talk to him. Over here, behind the fence. Huh? You? The bike? Yeah, the bike. Here in the grass where the kids left me a while ago. Could you get the dust off my seat and remind the kids how fun I still am? Okay. Oh, you are dusty. I may need my spokes tightened, too. Let's go. As Native American parents and caregivers, our encouragement to healthy lifestyles for our kids is helping them get outside and play. Get ideas. Get involved. Get going at letsmove.gov slash Indian Country. Brought to you by USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. My name is Joe Thompson. I'm 29, and thanks to my college degree, I'm a systems analyst. And the college me would tell you. I wouldn't be here without Big Brothers Big Sisters. My big brother believed in me, and to a 7-year-old... That means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil, and Phil is the reason that this 7-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Hey, there's a sharp hole in the wall. You're listening to Swoops World. All right. Well, another edition of Swoops World. We want to thank Bob Case uh, for uh, joining us tonight, and as well as Anthony Davis. We want to thank all of you for tuning in, and we will uh, see you again next week. And as we always say, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.